everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Fashion Grunge Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren. And I'm Jai. What's up, everybody? I'm going to say it at the top of the show. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Write us a review. Help us get further up on the charts. I mean, we're probably at like number 5,000. Who the hell knows? But yeah, help us get up on the charts. Just write high. It's a great show. And just write five <laughs> stars. It's so quick. If you have Apple. Otherwise, Spotify, Google, all that fun stuff. Subscribe. Today, we're going to talk about Seven. Yeah. Hi, David Fincher. This is actually really weird because we're recording this at night, and usually I don't talk to Jai at night. We usually record in the afternoon. I know, it's true. We, we, we never do, actually. But it's kind of fun to do a dark film at night. Yeah, it uh, totally is. It totally is. And you just watched it, which is kind of, you know. Yeah, I just watched it. And I watched it on Sunset, so it wasn't, like, too dark. I was yeah. Whereas like, I watched it at 9 o'clock in the morning last week. Oh, yeah, we were going to do this a, a few days ago. Yeah. So we're, like, we're not behind schedule, but, you Definitely know. Definitely not the kind of film that you should watch first thing in the morning. But, in all fairness, it was pouring. It was like this. Uh, there was a storm. Yeah, tropical yeah. storm. It was a crazy storm, so it was kind of cool. That's cool. That actually is kind of cool. Yeah. Because it's raining throughout the entire film. Yeah. So, good parallel there. But Sorry. actually got that in there <laughs> um yeah so what have you been up to normally you were just away for a bit so that's cool you got out of city for a while just for a week and, you know like there's lots of reading i actually read a whole book oh what'd you read um james baldwin um oh, cool. the oh gosh i forgot come on is he there yeah it's the fire next time Oh, cool. It's so good. He's just such an amazing writer. Yeah, I was, was Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it is really, it, it, it's so now as well. It's so relevant. It's like crazy, you know. I like think he was so, I mean, he wrote this in the 60s. And, oh. and yeah, it's so sad because I feel like not much has changed, you know, weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, like it has, but it hasn't. It has, but it hasn't, exactly. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I just absolutely love him. I the way he writes is so beautiful. It's not just the way he thinks, you know. Um, and I'm just really fascinated by his life. Like he was one of many who um, artists who were around that time in the 60s. Like they were so disheartened by the by the US and just racism and you know like so, so he, much. He moved to Paris. Well, not actually not Paris, the south of France, somewhere in the south. Um, but there were so many others, like Nina Simone lived in Paris, like mm-hmm. um, Miles Davis at some point moved to France, you know, it, it's just like an amazing time to be there and be creative and just, it was way cooler. I mean, you know. I like, feel like, yeah, that's so cool. I feel like the 60s has so many parallels with, I guess, like, I don't want to say this decade, but like the last like five years. I like, agree. So yeah. Much change and so fast and you know just all over the world it's not just in the u.s you know it's like there's almost like a a bubbling revolution that is just you know building and warranted you know totally valid but it seems like a lot of that is kind of happening again like hopefully not the immense violence i mean i hope it doesn't continue like in the 60s when so many prominent people um but yeah yeah, like assassinated essentially Mm -hmm. 
like the decade of assassinations. Like, I mean, two Kennedy. Oh my God, he was. Yeah. Uh, I believe Fred Hampton. I think was the Black Panther leader was killed in the '60s as well. Um, yeah, he was killed in '69. They're actually doing a film about. Do you know about Fred Hampton? Yes. Yeah, they're doing a, a film on that, and the guy, his name is Daniel. He's he's English. Daniel Kukulaya, the guy who was in Get Out. Oh yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. And he was in like that good Black Mirror. He is so brilliant. Yeah, mm-hmm. Fred Hampton, and it's I think there's a trailer out, but yeah, that that should be really good. I mean, it's high time that come out too. That more people yeah. Story. No, I, I think, yeah, anyway, so I read that, and that was really cool. I felt very proud of myself for, like, actually doing what I said I would, which yeah. you know, is quite hard sometimes, but... No, it is. There are a few things that I haven't done that I said I was going to do. And I um, listen to a lot of, like, podcasts on, like, well-being and, like, psychology and stuff like that, which I love, um, but yes. funny enough, it's the group podcast, which is you know, by awareness and who's actually in this movie. So yeah, who would have thought that I'm, I'm not misogynistic at all, but I have zero notes about, about, uh, her. I mean, I have notes about her character, but I don't have many notes about her. She's not a very prominent. I mean, she is a prominent figure in the film, but not, you know, not to the extent of, you know, I would think another person yeah I mean I honestly feel I don't I know she said some weird things and like and a lot of people are not like you know fans of I mean I'm not a huge fan to be honest like I think she's a decent actress but I have to say like what she does with group is like really great it's like so cool um, she doesn't host everything right no she has a co-host and oh, it's cool. only she does some herself and then this other woman. I uh, but it's not just a podcast. I mean they have now it's like a she's really built an empire, you know, because it's products, yeah, it's like skincare, skincare it's yeah. clothing. That it's, weird vagina candle. I don't know what's going on. Oh yeah. It's podcasts and they now run this crazy retreat. So they I think the last what before COVID, obviously, they were doing, like, cruises, and it would be, like, for example, 10 days, like a 10-day retreat on a cruise, and it would be all about, like, well-being, talks, exercises, different kind of, uh, different types of therapy, and, like, I just think it's a really cool concept, you know? Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, I, have you seen the the documentary trailer for the new Netflix, Netflix film about wellness? No, what what is it called? I'm literally looking it up right now because my friend sent me the trailer and I think it comes out next month or this month. Hold on, I'm trying to find it. I don't know why I can't fucking find it, but it literally is about, oh, it's called Unwell. Oh, I did see the trailer actually just yeah. yesterday. They yeah. About like, yeah, like what lives up, like what is actually proven and like a lot of people are skeptical about it. Yeah, I'll be watching that. In general. Yeah, I was gonna say I'll be watching it too because I'm like, I'm skeptical about it as well. So um, I, not that I'm skeptical, but I just think it's like a buzzword trend thing. That yeah. just seems to be geared more towards affluent people. Like the things that are supposed to help you are kind of things that like are very out of reach for most people. Well, so that's it just thing. seems like it seems like it's that way, but I'm sure this show will be pretty, you know, illuminating. I'm sure they'll have something interesting there. 
But I guess that's who Gwyneth Paltrow is. I mean, you know, like, of course, she's going to speak to that kind of, um, I guess, type of person who has a lot of disposable income because she, yeah, yeah, she does, you know, so she's going to talk about stuff that she likes and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, definitely some of it. I mean, most of the stuff they sell, I mean, I couldn't afford that, you know, um, but there's a market for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, she's definitely tapped in, so, like, you know, make yeah. money. Mm-hmm. Make that money. Um, <laughs> what about you? What were you I think, well, I've just been watching films for the podcast, like, the last two that you'll hear, I watched those and then I watched this one and then I'm looking into new ones and just, I don't know, podcasting's fun. And now I find new ones all the time. There's one called Zealot, which is really cool. And that's all about cults. Oh, um, another thing I'll, I'll just send it to you. It's another thing that I'm not into. Oh, and there's a new HBO trailer that I saw yesterday that looks so fucking good. And it's about uh, the Nexium sex cult that got taken down, what, last year? One of the girls who was in it was in some TV show. So it was like a big deal because she was oh. an actress. And she groomed the actors like to be in this cult. Wow. Um, I've I, never heard of it. Oh, dude, it's fucking crazy. Okay, let me... It, that actually comes out this month. It's called The Vow. Okay. Comes out on the 23rd on HBO. Cool. So that one looks really fucking crazy. Like, yeah, I love cult. I say like not like that. I mean, I love watching anything that's about yeah. cult. Um, I just find it really interesting. Not because I, you know, I like yeah, it per se, exactly. but <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I definitely yeah. don't to be in it or anything. But it's, I don't think I could be susceptible to that kind of thought. But I just, I'm just extremely skeptical. Uh, so I don't know if I'm like in that mindset, even though a lot of my friends are kind of worried because I watch all this stuff about cults and they're like, you would be the one to join one. I know. I, like, that's- I wouldn't actually. I just, I don't, I don't believe in a lot of things. I definitely don't believe in one person telling me what to do. Definitely. No, exactly. Yeah. Matthew jokes about like, um, me wanting to be in a cult. He always says, yeah, you, you know, you just can't wait to be in one. I'm like, no, no. Like, that's, come on, you know. Yeah, like, honestly, you know I would never be in a cult. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, but it's really interesting to find out about, you know, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, let's get to the movie. Yes, let's. Uh, directed 7 was came out in 1995, directed by David Fincher and written by Andrew Kevin Walker. And fun fact, uh, the writer is actually the first guy in the murder scene when you open up. It's not one of the sins, but he's the guy that's killed in the very beginning. When you see uh, Morgan Freeman and or Somerset, we'll call them by their character names, Somerset, and you kind of see how he operates. He's very like methodical, and he's that guy. That the he's, I think you probably see him for like a maybe like a second. Yeah. Yeah, I don't actually remember what he looks like, but... Yeah, I think he's face down. I don't think you even see his face, but that's the writer of the film. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, what are your first thoughts? When did you first see it? I. It's funny because I actually do remember when I watched it. It's one of... Considering I was like 13, I remember the exact like evening You know when I watched it. It was with oh. my mom, her best friend, whose daughter was my best friend. So it was kind of like family, really. We're oh, like, okay. Yeah, so it was, the, you know, our moms, uh, my friend and I, and we were in the 
in the living room or whatever. And it was like, we were 13. So we watched it when it came out in, you know, when I, when it came out the year later, a year later. Oh, so. Yeah, because we were 12 when it came out. So yeah. I want to say DVD, but it wouldn't be right a DVD back then. No, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, VHS or whatever. Um, yeah, and I remember because I think they knew they wanted to watch it because they knew that Brad Pitt was in it as well. You know, it's not like it's our so moms wild. didn't know, and also because he was there was such a hype um, already like about his films and stuff. And yeah. m- my friend and I love Brad Pitt, so. We just sat there watching it, and I remember, like, half an hour, like, 20 minutes in, both of our moms were like, oh, girls, like, why why do you like watching stuff like this? This is too much, you know? And they were like, oh, no, I can't watch that, can't watch that, can't watch that. Like, like, scenes, like any the- gory scene, they would be like, oh, no, I can't. I, I'm just going to get popcorn. Or, yeah, but I remember it was funny. It was just, like, girls watching it, basically. And, wow. and yeah, I mean, by then... I had seen Lanes of the Falls and uh, like no Lanes of the Fall or whatever. Is it called that? Yeah. Legends of the Fall, yeah. And then all the films. Kind of, oh, California and you know, oh, several yeah, Pitt films. Yeah, we've got to. So like Stay I knew we got a whole lot coming. <laughs> yes. And I knew Morgan Freeman from um Shawshank Redemption Redemption oh, as well. Yeah. So I was like, this is so cool. I mean, you know, what, what do you know? Like, you're 13, but I really like the film. I mean, I always like dark films anyway. But, yeah, I, I mean, I thought that, and I still do think it's pretty dark, disturbing, yeah. really gory, but it's really original as well, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I love a great, like, psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, like, the dark is better, really, but I... You know, you see like the same kind of in all films. You see kind of the same. You know, it's about like I don't know women who get murdered for some reason. Always women, you know. And like yeah. I, I feel like the story was just so great and original. So I, I really love that about. I mean, I love so many other aspects of the film, but um, it's quite rare, I think. Yeah, no, it really is, especially for that time, I think, to have... Yeah. I I was just talking about it on Silence of the Lambs, that I think the 90s is when, like, psychological thriller became a genre. Totally. People became interested in the psychology of why killers do what they do and the process behind police. A lot of police type of dramas and TV shows were really coming up, so we were really invested in how they solve crimes and, you know, all the ins and outs. That's, yeah it's pretty cool yeah well how old were you when you watched it and like I I was I think 16 uh I watched it or maybe like 15 or 16 I watched it with my friend we rented it we watched it in her living room and I remember just being like wow this is such a great story like it's just it was just so good I don't think I really thought about it uh like too deeply it wasn't a film that i was like oh shit this has changed me and i now i want to go watch a bunch of films in this genre it wasn't like that because i was definitely watching like way more i guess age appropriate films at the time <laughs> like i was into clueless and, like Empire records and like days of confused like just way like not as dark but this film definitely didn't make me uh, you know, like really into dark stuff or anything. But I remember being like, oh, this is really cool. And I saw it before Fight Club. 
And uh, of course, a lot of people also fight club directed by David Fincher, but obviously a lot of people fight club, I think really changed. It obviously changed a lot of men. I was just listening to a, an interview with the author of fight club and like his inspiration and how he was speaking. It's really interesting how he kind of brings that masculine, uh, almost like therapy and support group, which is, doesn't really exist for men in a traditional way. So he was talking about how he kind of built that around fight club and, you know, that kind of thing. And then of course you can totally notice, I mean, one of David Fincher's amazing traits is just his color grading. It's just, you can, totally see that this is he did aliens three first but it didn't do very well i think it was 92 so this was the film that really i mean this was the film that kind of defined his aesthetic going forward and like throughout even in zodiac i mean all all totally. three films, like seven fight club and zodiac just have such a similar vibe and they feel. Do. yeah uh, so you can tell this is definitely what he excels in. And also Mindhunter. Mindhunter. That I just I yeah. was going to say. Yeah, another one. Such he, a great show. Yeah, and to be honest, like, the, the credit not that are similar to, to Seven, but the credits, in a way, are very creative as well for Mindhunter. Oh, yeah, I wrote that down. Uh, yeah, I love the credits. Yeah, you know, he obviously has an eye for detail that's, like... Insane. Yeah, and, and also... I, I love, I mean, we'll get to that, but he genuinely has done so many of my, fav- my yeah. favorite films and shows. I mean, he's done so much. Like, just My Hunter is literally one of my favorite shows, you know? And, and House of Cards, which I've not seen. You never saw that? Oh. No, because I think when it came out, I I don't know when it came out. Was I living in L.A.? I, I don't know if I, I might have been living in L.A. And I just, I mean, not to not to be like glib about it but i just wasn't really in yeah 2013 i was living in la i wasn't really into politics mm-hmm. at that point because i just wasn't living in dc so I, it just wasn't around you know like my vibe at all like it and also it was pretty like you know just wasn't like it is now obviously things are ratcheted up because of social media and like you just have news everywhere now yeah but i guess i just wasn't really that i was like oh politics nah because like you know the west wing i'm not interested in like i'm not interested in a political show or scandal or any of those other ones so i was like oh this is going to be a political show but now i'm kind of curious to watch it because i've just heard it's past you know kevin spacey and yep. some of the show it's a great fucking show and it, it was yeah i just saw that that it was david fincher i have to say like th- i watched it all and it was great but the very last season was awful like yeah. really terrible because obviously because of um kevin spacey you know like they left like he left or, or was asked to leave fire whatever and i think it was really tough i feel like almost they should have just ended it but it was actually quite painful to watch. It was like a complete different show. It was really weird. Yeah. So, but anyway, I mean, it was pretty good, like pretty solid. Like, um, how many seasons were there? Like six. Six. Yeah. yeah. So pretty solid five seasons, I guess. Yeah, that's a lot. And then there was um, Gone Girl. It's really cool. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. Really good mo- movie. And then. The oh, I TV, but I'm I never want to watch it because I know it's edited. So I'm like, shit, I need to watch it unedited. I, don't, I never want to watch it just on TV. And then the girl with the dragon tattoo was really mm-hmm. cool too. Social network. Um, oh yeah, that's great. I love social network. Zodiac. and I, to be honest, I actually really like uh, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button as well. And it's very different. But I, did you watch it? Uh, no, no. I've seen bits of it, but I was like, eh, nah. 
Another adventure, though. Just because I've seen all his films, you kind of, and also I love Kate Blanchett. Like, I love her. She's amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm fifty fifty on her. I have no like positive or negative thing. Really, she's a great yeah. actress. Did you not think yeah. so? I mean, I don't think she's bad, but I'm not. I don't really feel one way about her. Okay. I feel like she reminds me of like, not like a low rent or like a B version, but like I prefer Tilda Swinton. Well, but I know Tilda Swinton is like a queen. Actress, yeah, she's a total. But I just uh, there's something I saw I think with like either both of them or like some, I don't know, maybe it's something I think I, they, they look very similar too. So I think they're just like very blonde and English and, but I know Tilda Swinton's like, obviously like way weirder. She is way weirder, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know if I've seen anything with Kate Blanchett that I can even really recall uh, that like off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure I have, I totally have, but I, I mean, I've seen Elizabeth. um, Yeah great she's not bad i just kind of you know <laughs> she's not bad but oh, yeah, like bad. she's kind of like how i feel about uh like julianne moore what she's yeah, great okay. on the last podcast oh uh, i know i hear i hear you say it. i was thinking we need to have a chat about this what do you mean she's yeah. a great actress come on matthew mcconaughey Oh God! Yeah, he's got. It's really funny. Like we we need to do like a giant group, uh, some type of. Once we get like you know big money bucks and we have like a big studio, we just have like everybody who's on the show and we just have like a shit talking sesh about. I had I had talked to my friend actually like two weeks ago on the phone and I got into this huge diatribe of like who I don't fuck with like actors. And he was like, I should be taping this right now. This is a fucking episode. You're literally just talking all this smack. <laughs> I was like, it's not personal. It's literally just about their acting work. So, for instance, I went on, like, a 10-minute diatribe about how I think Tobey Maguire is, like, so overrated and just whack. And and he was like, you think he's whack? I was like, I think he's very whack. I think Tobey Maguire is very whack. Like, his his movie choices are very whack. They like, are. I yeah, he's not him but i feel i almost feel like he is better than what he's done but he just doesn't pick well yeah, that's the thing picking well is, is it's a thing yeah. yeah um okay back to the film i have oh yeah rented it with my friend i also have because i just finished watching the dark knight um and i said uh, there are a lot of similarities <laughs> i've been watching a lot of just films lately but there are a lot of uh in between love island um and of course <laughs> lauren obviously yeah. i need to watch love island tonight because this film is just like yeah i can't go to bed with thinking about this but um it's oh, there are a lot of similarities between the joker and john doe too because just the kind of way that he uh it like preaches and the way he kind of kind of tells society like yo this is what's going on and like you guys are asleep and you guys are fucking lying to yourselves thinking that you're not these kind of people, but you totally are. Um, and then I wrote Seven Sins, Seven Days, takes place in seven days. And another uh, interesting note, Michael Mass or Massey, I don't know how you say his name. He is the guy who's in the massage parlor booth. Mm. Um, who they arrest. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's right. Yeah. Fun boy in the crow. Which what? Was, yeah. It's Michael Mass. Yeah. No way. Yeah, wow. I remember seeing him and I was like, I know that face, but he had longer hair when I saw him before. And then he was in the crow, which was the year before the year before this, um, which is really interesting. But yeah, that's all I have for my first thoughts. Let's dive in. Yes. Let's.
Okay, so for behind the scenes, I have this was really shocking to me. Okay, the movie was made for thirty three million, which is a ton of money. So much. He doesn't um, even look that. Oh. That I mean, that huge of a production, but I guess it was. I think it's. I feel like most of it has to be in post. Yeah. And for like the, all the color grading and all the like weird shit that they did. And I'm sure just the whole tracking and like it's shot in downtown LA. Like if you live in LA, then you know those streets, but it's, it, I'm sure they had to block lots of street. Like there are just lots of street scenes. Maybe that they spent money with that. The rain, like they had to have immense rain machines. I don't even know how much those cost, but I'm sure it's not cheap putting all that shit on the camera. Like I'm sure they used the money that way. And Brad Pitt, I'm sure got a lot. Same with he Morgan he got paid seven million. Oh wow! Do you know about yeah. Morgan Freeman? No, no, I couldn't oh. find that anywhere. <laughs> Did you find about Kevin Spacey? Nope. Wow, seven. But think million. about it. Brad Pitt got yeah. seven. Imagine how much Morgan Freeman got because he was like. An Oscar you know, he's, I mean, yeah, he's like Morgan Freeman, you know, like he must have got quite a lot, like for sure. And Kevin Spacey too, who knows? Yeah, did he have the, uh, no, he didn't have the Oscar for Usual Suspects yet. I don't think so. Um, I don't know when when that one came out. came out the same year. Oh, so, did, okay. Yeah, he must not have gotten it yet. But yeah, but I, maybe he got it for something before, who knows? I don't think so. I think he did American Beauty was after that. Another one we have to do because I fucking love that movie. Um, but yeah. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. Also made for 33 million and it totally made 327.3, which is insane. Insane. For yeah. Back then for 95. I mean, yeah. that's global, but still it's a lot. And I found it really kind of disturbing and surprising that this film spent four weeks at number one on the US yeah. I know. I read that too. Isn't that crazy? That's kind of shows the gross appetite of this kind of gory shit, you know, like this really like sick story. I can't imagine that. I mean, it is a really good film, but I feel like back then it just seemed like, whoa, this is fucking dark. Like I could see it making money one or two weeks, but not like a month. Well, but I also think uh, it's a cast, you know? I think it was such an epic cast that people were like, it's got to be a great film, you know? Yeah, it's true. And it was the seventh highest grossing film of the year. Isn't it weird? Seven was the seventh highest. (laughs) It's like kind of funny. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah. Um, I have uh, just a few notes about Brad Pitt's hand injury (laughs) that he has in the film during The Chase is Real. Yep. And that was pretty crazy. And they hide it throughout the film, like, because it's shot out of order. So they, like, certain times you don't see his hand or he has, like, there's one, actually one fashion note that I had. I just thought of it now was that he has that really cool, like, is it herringbone blazer on? Yeah. And he's sitting at the, the desk. That's really cool. I think it's because he has a cast on, like, he under. He needed to have something baggy or not. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. And then, um, yeah, and then I just have uh, what else do I have? I have I have a few things, but I know that you have some too. Oh, and I have this is also another interesting note that all the notebooks in Doe's apartment were real, and they cost a lot of money to make. Right? Yeah, like people made them and clipped all that stuff and wow. wrote all. That. Could you imagine if your job was to make these insane notebooks for like the prop department? Well, I mean. I can actually because it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of like the what you had to do with sketchbooks. It's pretty much the same principle. It's like a sketchbook, but yeah. with a lot of writing as well. But they were like kind of. I mean, 
the content was and but they were really beautiful they're really yeah. cool you know yeah, they were really cool yeah no it was it like fifth something like fifteen thousand dollars it cost wow really make, yeah no i know That's they not... i think it was two of them and it cost fifteen thousand to make them wow what do you have for notes um okay so some are the same as yours which you already mentioned um that brad pitt said that one of the reasons why he wanted to to take this role was because he wanted to escape the cheese after layings of the fall yeah i heard that yeah it's just really funny i mean i get it you know he didn't want to be known as just like that guy um and that then so Washington turned down the part that went for Brad, to Brad Pitt because he oh. thought, yeah, he was offered the part and he thought it was too dark and evil. And then once he saw the screening, he actually regretted not, not taking it. Then he did Training Day and won a fucking Oscar. Oh, yeah. Training Day was fucking cool. Yeah. I didn't like it when I first saw it, but then when I saw it again, I was like, okay, this movie's fucking dope. Really? Yeah. I'm not a big Denzel Washington fan. Like, I, I like him, but I'm not, like, that huge into my I love Ethan Hawke though um and then yeah then when I saw it years later I was like okay I get why he he literally won the Oscar in the last like five minutes of the film because throughout <laughs> it he was good but when he ad-libbed that whole like King Kong and got shit on me I run shit here I was like oh yeah this is yeah awesome. I, I like that film right a lot here. actually yeah. um and yeah just the last one uh which I thought was really interesting that they well, David Fincher and Brad Pitt wanted the 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 head in the box scene in mm-hmm. the film, but they were having a lot of issues with the studio because they want they didn't want that they wanted they didn't want that to be the end basically, and they wanted to they wanted the wife to leave. What's her name? Um, Tracy. Tracy. Yeah, they. They didn't want that as the end, basically. And they both put their foot down and said, we're not going to... Well, they, David Fincher, because he had already compromised in Alien 3, and obviously that didn't do very well. So he was like, never again, I'm compromising my vision, basically. And Brad Pitt also thought that was like a brilliant ending. And so he said, if if you change it, I will, I will quit this project. Like, I don't want to be part of it. So they decided to keep the head in the box as, you know, the end. <laughs> what were they gonna have instead? Just the dog's head. They wanted just the dog's head, and then oh, Tracy, cat, yeah, the yeah, and then Tracy was going to leave, which is a shitty ending. I mean, come on, you know, because I feel like a huge divorce him. Well, a huge part of the film success is the end. You know, it's very yeah. different, and it's cool. It's unexpected. Like, yeah. That, I God, I can't imagine. It's like when you find out all these things about like casting. I heard also Al Pacino. What really considered as well? I think for Freeman, I was like all these films that you hear about who was supposed to be in the role, and you can't picture. Like we did the same thing with Silence of the Lambs, and it was like Michelle Pfeiffer was supposed to be Jodie Foster's role, and she was like, "No, it's too dark." And of course, when they see it back, they're like, "Fuck!" But come on, that movie could not have been made without Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. Totally, I mean, yeah. I mean, so, she was incredible. I mean, both of them really, but yeah. You know, like, what if Denzel Washington was playing the the detect young detective, and then friggin' Al Pacino? Two great actors, amazing. Even if it wasn't spacey, it just would have been totally different, you know. You would have, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well, that's all you have for behind the scenes. 
Yeah, I mean, this another one, but it's kind of lame. I oh, mean, David Fincher was really impressed with Wynneth Paltrow because of, I think it's called Flesh and Bone, which I never watched. Okay. And so she was the first choice for the role, but apparently she was not interested. So she, he had to ask Brad Pitt to ask her because they were already dating at the time. So he actually convinced her. <laughs> Wait, so they were dating before the film? Yeah, yeah, they were they were dating before, and so because she wasn't interested, David Fincher had to ask Brad Pitt to convince her because they were already together. So. Oh, I mean, you can kind of tell. My figure, I figured either they met on the film or they were already dating. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, she was in. What was she? I'm trying to think of like what she was in before this. She was in. Was it uh, something? Expectations. What is it called? Oh, Great Expectations. Yeah, that was. Really? Oh, maybe. Actually, yeah. I'm gonna look it up. I don't. I don't know if flesh and bone. Actually, I don't remember that. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. Oh, what? Uh, that's so weird. Yeah, I know she's Shakespeare in Love was like the big one, but that was like '98. And I'm sorry, uh, but she did not deserve that Oscar. Come on. She really didn't. I'm trying to think. Okay, her first TV credit or credit is Shout, and she plays Rebecca in '91. So yeah, Flesh and Bone was 93. And then Seven, it seems like it was her first big one. I guess people knew about it, but I've never heard of these other ones that she's in. Then yeah. after that, yeah, her expectations was 98. Oh, 98. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, she, yeah, I she like, like, like and then like Mr. Ripley and like, you know, it just like kept going up, obviously, for her. But um, yeah, that's crazy. Oh, I have a I have another note. I have um, let's see, Morgan Freeman when he's throwing that knife on yeah. the dark. Word. Mm -hmm. uh, they wanted to actually use the prop knife that they had and have him throw it, and it hit the dartboard with a like a wire because it's almost impossible to throw that knife. And Morgan Freeman was like, "No, I can do it. I don't need a prop. I don't need like any extra like special help." So all that shit's real. Oh like, wow, that's pretty cool. And um, the long shots at the end when you see them, which is one of my favorites. Uh, just like stills when you see them through the binoculars of the helicopter yeah. when you see all three of them none of those are the actual actors those are all doubles because at that point when they were filming Spacey Freeman and Pitt had shot the maximum amount of days that they could for the project and they'd already moved on so they had to still film things but like while they were done when they were done and then also the scenes in the car when they're in the desert headed there where they're in the city limits and they're driving out of the city limits was shot during seven, uh, yeah. like during the production time. And then the scenes where they actually get to the desert and that's where you see all the, the towers that was shot after Brad Pitt did 12 monkeys. No way. Yeah. Really? And Kevin Spacey was also not in the very end when he's on his knees and uh, I think Mills is pointing the gun at him and you see kind of a profile of John Doe. That's not Spacey. That's his double. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Things. Uh, yeah. That he came back to shoot like after 12 monkeys, which is crazy, which he got an Oscar nomination for. It's another it's really good. 12 it's monkeys. such a good, we should do that one. Yeah, that's on the list too. We got Excellent. So, we got so much. Um, yeah. So that's all I have for behind the scenes. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. And also David Fincher apparently is is known for shooting things like multiple times 
like hundreds of times. Oh, he's one of those. Yeah, yeah. He's like really anal. And apparently the, the scene where he, where Brad Pitt actually cuts his hand open and like the blood is everywhere. Like in reality, that scene wasn't even, uh, that take wasn't even used. Oh, and he actually <laughs> took the injury and he didn't tell anybody until after. And his like tendons were exposed and like, it was really bad. And he did all that. I think when he was running across the cars and he hit a windshield, but that wasn't even used in the film. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. But I mean, he pays off because the, all his work, his films, TV shows, everything is, are just genuinely amazing. And there's so much attention to detail. So, I mean, if he has to shoot a lot, that's fine, you know? Totally. And obviously the actors don't mind because he's so great, you know, because films are always so great. Um, Okay, so now on to the plot and some story questions and notes that I have. Uh, The story opens up with the case and we see that Somerset's like this veteran detective and there's kind of a a regular crime of passion that you kind of think happen. And you kind of see the difference between him as a detective and the other guy who works, who's like, Oh, whatever, who cares about that? Why are you asking those questions? It's a done deal. They were shot. And you can kind of tell that Somerset's got more humanity and like just a bit more intelligence and attention to detail in general. More experience. Yeah. He's more experienced. Yeah. Um, Which is really interesting. And then you first meet, Mills and he's a, he fought to be reassigned to this city, which they never name throughout the entire film, but it could be New York or LA. It kind of has that vibe. And it's like this bad crime district. Like this is kind of set to be this horrible place, uh, clearly. And then that's when the credits come in, which is cool that the credits don't start until like a bit throughout the film. It is. Yeah. It's really cool. I like I that. that. And then, uh, yeah, it's just like Mills comes in. He's just arrived in town and Somerset's about to retire. And then they get their first case, which ends up being the first sin, which is gluttony. And that one was just like, that one was really crazy uh, for that to be the first one. I was like, whoa. It's so intense. I yeah. mean, it, it the whole sequence in that house, it's just like too yeah, much. But, so, so yeah, so gross. And then... It's really interesting, too, how in the very beginning, like, Somerset just doesn't trust Mills at all. He's like, yo, you're the rookie. They totally play on that whole veteran-rookie cop relationship. He's like, go knock on doors. Like, I got this. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, just get out of here. Call forensics in here. And it kind of is like Mills is trying to prove himself. He's really stubborn. You know, he wants to do what he wants to do, which you obviously see throughout. But it definitely plays up that whole, like, rookie vet cop relationship like you know almost like i'm gonna teach you grasshopper (laughs) like just you know just be quiet and like roll with it because it's you know it's a huge process yeah he's just like these sort of hot-headed like detective like really young Mm -hmm. inexperienced you know like yeah like five years i think he's like i've done homicide for five years i'm like this is definitely not like any other homicide (laughs) that you're gonna be investigating this is past a homicide this is like next level um then we get to the second sin which is the criminal lawyer who's killed for greed this is also the first time that we actually see a sin written out blatantly it wasn't gluttony wasn't written um anywhere visible in the last case so this is kind of we they still haven't put it together that it's the seven deadly sins not yet but then somerset 
goes back when he, cause he's like, I'm going to retire. I'm not taking this case. This is going to end up being a big, long thing. And he's like, I don't think Mills should do it either. He's too inexperienced. He doesn't know what's going on. And Mills is like, no, fuck you. I got it. And he's like, no, uh, this is says greed. He's doing the seven. Like there's going to be more of these and I can't be involved. I'm like, Mills is like, no, I'll take it. I'll take it. So it's like, no, I'm retiring. Like at the end of the week, I'm out. Like, I, I can't deal with this. But then I love how it just, he just naturally like gets into the fold and they're just like, he just seamlessly starts working with him. And I love how that just happens and doesn't seem forced. They're just very like, they work really well together. Yes, they do. And everything. Um, another, the lawyer one was like fucked. Like the lawyer one, I thought was like really, that one I, was, did, I didn't even think that one that was that bad. <laughs> oh well, I mean, not compared to not compared to like what we see later. Mm. But I mean, like I guess as the story goes, it's like that. It just seems so like, oh god, like it gets very political. Like he, like the district attorney is involved. Like he does that press conference, and then it just kind of just I don't know. It's just like really fucking weird. But like. In a, in a weird way, obviously, John Doe talks about it at the end, or he just is like, come on, like, all of those were justified, especially this fucking lawyer. I know you guys were thanking me for that one, because you guys, he's working against you, because you guys yeah. are the prosecution side. Um, but, and then, and then also, we got to my favorite, which one of my favorite scenes is when you meet... Detective Mill's wife, Tracy, who's Gwyneth Paltrow, and Somerset, and they all have lunch or dinner at their oh, apartment. Oh, yeah, they have dinner at yeah. their apartment. Yeah. It's really cool. And the subway train <laughs> that, like, goes through. Yeah, and I love I love uh, seeing Brad Pitt playing with his dogs. Well, I know. He's just, like, so cute. <laughs> so cute. And I also noticed there's a lot of – I don't know if a lot of these are things that I'm sure because it seems like David Fincher's, like – he almost seems to me a lot like uh, Vince Gilligan who did Breaking Bad. Like every little thing means something like they're Easter egg hidden throughout. Yeah. I, I did that too. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Basketball. I see multiple times. Like um, Mills is watching basketball. He has basketball and hoops on his tie. And then at one point at when he's in his apartment, he picks up the basketball and like puts it on a mantle. And I was like, basketball. Is that like the head? Because a basketball is relatively the size of a head. Maybe. I mean, I feel, yeah, you're right. I feel like everything means something. Yeah, it like, has to, right? Like, it just seems kind of weird. I think um, he likes playing with that sort of thing. Because didn't he name the characters in Fight Club after these guys? Did he? No. Yeah. This, like... I mean, did he like Tyler? Who are you thinking in Fight Club? Oh, maybe no. I, yeah, I no, it's a book. I mean, like Tyler Durden is the name in the book. Is is his name in the book? And the narrator has no no name. Ed Norton has no name. Um, who else? Hmm. Marla. No. Okay. Never mind. A different movie. Basically, different movie. Never mind. Moving on. And then um, we get the first kind of big clue when they ask the lawyer's wife to look at these crime scene photos and you know tell us everything that tell us if anything is you know out of place. 
So she looks and sees that this painting is, is flipped upside down and then they go to the office and then they, you know, rip it down and then uncover these prints. But then the prints spell out, help me. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Uh, I was like, Oh my God, they have prints. Then they get the person who's has the prints, which is this guy, Victor, who is, um, I think he's like, was convicted of uh, like sex with a minor. He's like uh, been in the system, like this guy, Victor. So they're like, yeah, this is our suspect. All the SWATs going. They're like, fuck yeah, we got him. And Somerset's like, this is not our guy. Our guy is way, way too meticulous for this. Like this is not, and there's only been two sins at this point. So he's like, no, 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 this isn't it. So then which is probably the it's it's in my worst scenes. It's the man. For I know. Sloth. Yep, that's mine it's too. Fucking shit. It, that scared me even until like uh. now. It reminds me very much of you know who or what also reminds me of. There's so many parallels. It reminds me of the last episode of the first season of True Detective when the guy has his dad on that bed. It's oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was like, this he is was- just. Like, Detective. It was pretty similar. I mean, I that was like for me the most disturbing and the worst scene, you know? Uh my just dis- I have another disturbing scene, which I, I'll tell you when I get to it. It's not really a scene, it's just kind of like what happened, but I do like that they don't one of the things I really like about the film that it does have these horrible like revelations, like when you find the victims, but I really like how you don't actually see the crimes being committed because that yeah. would just I agree. That's too much. I I don't think you can show that. I mean, you could, but then I don't want to watch that. Yeah. Oh. Like, and then when they talk about uh, the third sin sloth, when they kind of discover more about him, like he's been like that for a year, a whole year. With that eating, I'm tied up, and well, I don't uh, think he's was tied up. Wasn't he like? Yeah, he had restraints. Like that, on his okay. side, he had those like belts restraints that they have in hospitals. Can you believe that that was an actual person that wasn't like it was, like it, was it took fourteen hours to do his makeup oh, for, for that scene, and that guy was I can't remember the what's the name of the character. Uh, Victor. That's the name of that guy, Victor. The guy who's tied up the bed yeah mm-hmm. okay Victor. yeah that's what i thought but then i thought i got confused with the other guy anyway he was 90 96 pounds when he when they cast him for the film and they kind of joked about like oh maybe you, sh- you could lose a little bit more weight and he lost six pounds more so he was actually 90 oh my god yeah he that i mean i thought that was um special effects or like uh yeah. you know, maybe some totally. kind of, I don't know, mannequin and whatever. Like animatronic but, or something, like a robot, you know, that they can, like, make move. Yeah, but but to be honest, if you think about it, Christian Bale was that thin for, um, yeah. It just, you don't, I mean, you see a bit more skin on, on him, but this guy was, like, you know, God. the makeup was in, insane. Yeah. And I, and I, not that I like, but it's really crazy to hear when they go to the hospital, like the fact that he's, when he, when the guy leans over him, the SWAT guy, and then he like coughs, I like, oh God, that's like, I was like, oh, this is fucking crazy. I was like, this is so 
and then they ask him like you know like has he tried to communicate like can we find out anything about him like you know what the hell like what's going on and the guy's like no i mean even if his brain wasn't complete mush if you shined a flashlight in his eyes right now he would die from shock and i was like oh Oh, that is just so like the trauma that that man has gone yeah but he's he's like a pedophile uh pedophile like i mean he's not obviously like an innocent man who i know but i still don't think anyone deserves that no I mean, it's just, uh, th- this is the thing about the film, and this is why it's so disturbing, because it does make you think. Even just as you watch it, you are trying to justify why someone would more, like kill another human being that way. And obviously this guy, John Doe, um, explains why, but it, I, I like the fact that you actually do think about this, you know? Mm. Like... I mean, I can't justify it, but I mean, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if some people were like, yeah, he totally deserves that, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's almost like not to get too like political, but it's almost like verging on the, the whole death penalty, capital punishment conversation, yeah, totally. whether or not it's, it's okay and, and uh, you know, whether or not it's justified or like who are, you know, some people believe it's not the right of, I kind of sort of don't believe in capital punishment. I think it's really fucked. Like same, I um, don't. It's very like medieval. Like we might as well be in like fucking Henry the Eighth. I mean, like, what, <laughs> like I mean, it just seems very. And I, exactly. I feel like we we've come a long way as a civilization. Yeah. From there, like you can't. There is a you know a like life sentence, like being sentenced to prison for who yet, but to be. To, to go that way, I, I mean, who I feel like we're playing like gods. Yeah, and lethal injection. Like, like I finally found that out. As well. oh, cool. actually, I thought it was just a shot that like puts you to sleep, but no, it's like a series of three shots, and it's probably like the most inhumane thing uh, ever. I mean, it's fucking horrible, and mm. I'm just like, and then and also not to mention the people who are innocent on death row. I mean, the people who are literally going to their they're like their last breath is like, I didn't do it. And you're like killing me, you know, and you're not yeah. giving me a chance to redeem myself. I mean, we simply shouldn't be allowed to, to do that. Um, but I mean, not we shouldn't be, but you know, they shouldn't, that law shouldn't exist or it shouldn't no. change. But yeah, I mean, this is the thing you, you do think a lot of. Hey, we got cut off there for a second, but we're picking up back on, uh, back in the story where, They've just discovered the third sin, which is sloth. And that guy was starving and that was fucking crazy. Um, And then after Tracy calls detective Somerset and she kind of forms a kind of bond with him because he's the only other person that she knows in this town. And she's just very disillusioned with how crime ridden the city is. And she's a teacher and she meets him at a diner and she's kind of talking about, you know, what if like, you know, like, I don't know about this city, you know, like we, I just imagine that it would be a lot different. I don't know about raising children. And, and then she tells him that she tells Somerset that she's pregnant. She hasn't told Mills yet. And he, and then Somerset tells the story about how uh, he was with uh, a woman a long time ago who was pregnant and kind of tells his story and how they didn't have the child and, you know, like make sure you make this decision. And 
and it's just it's a i really like that scene too me too it's quite sad yeah it it just feels very genuine yeah it really does and she and just the way that she has this kind of like comfort in him like you know because it's very different from her husband who's just like out all night you know out at any time you know because he's working and it's just yeah i really like their relationship and i like how she calls him you know how she's like I like how she just talks to him. She kind yeah. of feels instantly comfortable with him. Yeah, he's kind of like a father figure. He's like kind of the older, a cool uncle or something yeah. like that, you know. And he just has so he's just so wise. <laughs> I he mean, in, in general, I just feel like it's just you would ask Morgan Freeman himself. <laughs> I know that's the thing. Like I know, obviously, we don't know him personally, but I'm sure he's just like a great human, you know. He's got to be. Yeah, I mean, he's just—he just seems like like so really cool. kind. Yeah, and I like lovely. Yeah. Um. Then we get to a really interesting thing, which is uh, Somerset is like, okay, we've got to figure out who this guy is. Obviously, the, that was a a wrong turn. Like he obviously wanted to make it look like it was this guy, but it's not. So we're still looking for this guy. And he goes into library research and finding out what people, what books he's checked out because all of these have to do with certain books like Dante's Inferno and like some book by like the Marquis de Sade and all these different things that he's like, no. And and obviously this is almost an, I didn't have any nineties moments, but I guess this is one is libraries. Oh my God. That's in mine. Is that? Yeah. I didn't have, I only have two and and it's basically like pre-computers and laptops, old school library research. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really cool that he gets this guy to give him kind of under the table information on who's been, you know, uh, like checking out certain books. And then that's how you, that's how you can get a handle on it. And Mills is just, like, so impatient. He's just like, I hate waiting. I hate waiting for the thing. He hated waiting for the fingerprints. He hates waiting for this research. He's just kind of, like, super skeptical, like, blah, like, whatever. They find out it's this guy, John Doe, who's rented, rented, who's checked out (laughs) this, uh, kind of, like, rented, I guess, but he's checked out this certain book. And they go to this apartment that's listed, and this is probably, like, one of my favorite scenes is, like, this whole chase that happens when... John Doe's like at the end of that hallway. Yes, that's one of mine too. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like I was like, oh god. And then also when they're when they're there's like a huge chase, you know, through apartments and down fire escapes and across streets. And this is where the the injury happens, uh, the real injury with Brad Pitt. But one thing I found really interesting is when John Doe is in kind of like a warehouse and he's running through. Yeah, it's the same exact limp that Virgil has in The Usual Suspects, played by Kevin oh, Spacey. Really? So oh, I wow. wonder if this is an actual limp that he has because it's literally the exact same, and it's in the same year too. They both I'm came sure out you can find it. Yeah, I probably can, but I just wrote like same limp as Virgil slash Spacey in Usual Suspects. Um, he gets away, but he he actually is puts the gun to Mills' head because Mills falls down into this kind of like between a truck and a wall. And he literally is like gun to his head about to kill him. And I think Mills is like, no, like he just says no. And then he just takes the gun away and then he just disappears. Yeah. And then, I mean, that scene, that whole sequence is like, it, 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 you kind of feel like it's going to end soon, but then he doesn't, he just keeps going. Yeah. And then I quite like that, that it's not typical, like Brad Pitt kind of, um, sort of won or like got him and it's the contrary you know like he's kind of begging for his life and he lets him get away you know yeah 
It's cool. It's, it's yeah, it's it's really cool. And then then he goes, they go back up to the hallway of the apartment, and it's another one of my favorite exchanges where he's like, like Mills is like, we're opening that fucking door of that apartment. Like I don't care. Like I've gone through all this shit. We know it's him, and we just gotta fucking do it. And he's like, no, you can't. Like if we bust in that door and we find something this is going to make him walk. Like we have no reason why we're here. We got illegal information, finding out the library information. You cannot do this. Like, come on, dude, you cannot do this. And Mills is like, boom, like high kicks into the apartment. And he's like, (laughs) Oh, well, looks like we got into a struggle. And then, walks in and then he just sees like this is when you see the journals like 2000 journals that he has in in no particular order those glass like the glass cases that have the trophies like the law books and the hand of the guy that he used to do the fingerprints yeah and then you sign a picture of this blonde woman who they don't know yet and they're like who is that um and also you find out in this situation that in i believe it was the uh, I think it was the sloth case that there was a reporter that got past the the line and took a photo of Mills because he was like yelling at him and he was like, get out of here, man. You're behind the line. Mm-hmm. You know, you're stupid press, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, man, come on. I'm just trying to do my job. He sees that he has this uh, dark room and, you know, the photos around and he sees the photo of him and he's like, we fucking had him. Yeah. Like, that was the guy. Like, and you, wonder, you wonder what would have happened if, if he... Because I wonder if John Doe had the intention of killing them right there when he was taking pictures of them. Like, no, I don't think so. Don't I have an interesting so. theory okay. that I wrote later on. I wrote because, I mean, the film moves pretty quickly after this, after this sin. Like the other ones kind of happen like one after another. But I have a note towards the end. I said, did Doe decide when he was the reporter to make Mills a sin because of the way he reacted. No, I, I think that. I think yeah, that. like very much like super aggressive, very, you know, like get out of here and like pushed him, you know, and he was very like, get out of here, blah, blah, blah. I was like, is that when he decided? Yeah, I feel like he definitely decided then, but before that he didn't know he would react that way. So I wonder what was the whole, like that his whole thing was just going there to take photos or why? You know, I think like, maybe to find out who the detectives were on the case. Mm. And I'm sure what happened because then you find out that's, that's when Mills is like, how do they get them here so fast? And he was like, they pay police for information. Yeah. Like that's what they do. And they pay well. So like, they'll tell them who's on the case. So I'm figuring that like he got information on Somerset realized he had no family and like, that wasn't going to be anything like that. Wasn't going to be enough. And then when he found out young guy, young wife, like okay like he's aggressive he kind of paints that portrait of like aggressive law enforcement guy yeah. so he kind of like i yeah i'm assuming that that's the time yeah which is the perfect or, sort of yeah like storm really. yeah yeah um and then yeah they find the 2000 notebooks in the apartment and then they're like reading the journals to discover his inner mind i wrote this is exactly what happens in fight club uh the and it's really interesting too because uh edward norton and fight club is reading you know i am jack's colon i am like he's like look at all these notebooks these are fucking everywhere like and then he's like i'm you know in that carries throughout so it's another same similarity in fight club too um i also love when they're in the apartment and they have all the cops around and they have find no fingerprints in the apartment yeah and insane right um and then the phone rings 
And they're like trying to search for the phone. They're like, he's like, get the phone, blah, blah, blah. And then he finds it and he's like, hey, you found me a little sooner than I thought. I didn't really think you were going to find me, but like, you know, thanks. And, you know, there's more coming soon or whatever the fuck he says. And I was like, oh God, Jesus, it's going to be bad now. And he's like, I'm going to have to like ramp up my schedule because now I didn't think you were going to find me this fast. So like there's more shit coming. So they're like, oh God. Um, Then this is actually one that I find even this one I find more disturbing than sloth. I mean, I do find sloth very disturbing, but I remember being really young and this is when they find uh, the blonde because they're looking for the blonde in that picture. And then Somerset's like, they found the blonde and they go to this massage, really seedy, like underground massage parlor. And it says lust on the door. So this is sin four. And this is like the prostitute, the prostitute and that fucking dildo knife. Oh God. That's that's true. That is was worse. That was the worst. That is worse. Yeah, you're right. Just because you don't even hear, you don't even like see it. Think, I mean, you see a picture of it. Think like, thank God that's it. And thank God they didn't go into any more detail because yeah, as a woman, you definitely don't want to fucking hear about any of that. That one I found the most disturbing of all of the entire thing. Yeah. So you're actually right. Yeah. That one. The most disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, then, then it's like, it's being ramped up now. So now he's like, I have to like keep this tight schedule because you guys are going to find if I have too much time between the crimes, then that's when uh, sin five is pride. And it's, uh, you know, the woman who has the, uh, he cut her nose off and then she has like a phone in one hand and pills in the other, like call for help or die. Like, you know, I know that was fucking crazy. Um, yeah. And then, then probably another one of the most amazing sequence, just the whole sequence of how this was shot the film is obviously we're going to talk about like the theme and mood, but super desaturated. And then you see that bright yellow taxi and the yeah. way the camera's on the ground and the taxi pulls up and then John Doe gets out and just like calmly walks in and just like gives himself up in this really fucking psycho way. And he's just like, you guys have been looking for me blood everywhere, all over his hands. I'm assuming oh this is what a Paltrow's blood, right? Well, it is. Yeah. Because yeah. The, I think she's the last well, one. Because they said there's three bloods. They said there was an unidentified, right, right, which is Paltrow, and then, or Tracy, and then I think, what, the prostitute? And the woman with the, uh, who had her nose, the nose cut off. I think those were the other two, probably. Um, So, yeah, he walks in, and they're all like, what the fuck? Like, he literally just walked in and was like, I think you're looking for me. And then they're all like, get down, get down, oh, my God. I feel like every single scene is just so great. Like yeah. everything, you know? It moves so fast. It's never boring. I no. feel like it just always keeps going on and on. And and then it's just, you get to, he's trying to, his lawyer's trying to make a deal, which is, uh, it seems like this happens in a lot of films and TV shows too, where they're like, oh yeah, they want death penalty off the table if they'll tell you where the other uh, bodies are buried. Yeah. Kind of thing. And if you say no it's going to be public that you didn't care that there were two other bodies that you could care less about because you're going to like, you just want to prosecute this guy or do whatever you want. So they're like, fine. He says, you know, he'll show you the two, you, the body It's just two of you. So you guys have to go with him. And they're like, okay, fine. So they suit up and they get, which is another one of my favorite scenes is when they're like getting ready 
to put the wires yeah, on that, and that stuff. That is really cool. I like I that. that. I like the yeah. lighting too, like the really soft white fluorescent lighting. What, I like, like the, the in the bathroom. Know, yeah, just um, th- that moment between them two. They're kind of like. Kind of like I feel like they finally come to an understanding. They're getting on and they like have mm-hmm. the same goal. And I don't know. It just feels like two soldiers about just before they go on a battle or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then I really love the entire part, the entire car. Like, what did you think about the the whole ride from the city that's, limits out to the? That, that's in my favorite scene. That's, I have two favorite scenes and that's the first one, basically. I just, I like the fact that you finally have the three main characters all together Mm. and they're in this car, like driving through the desert. And I love all the dialogue, especially between Joan Doe and Mills, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, he he's still trying I mean I can't really remember everything that said but he's asking him why you know like asking him also when you're this crazy do you actually stop and think to yourself like oh I'm actually crazy or whatever you know there is a lot of he's trying to 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 find out why he's done this and mm-hmm. and that again is a moment when you when you ask yourself like he's kind of to a certain extent, he's right. Like he's basically saying, "My work, my piece of this is like a piece of art, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it is kind of a lesson for everyone to to not do what they're doing because, well, he's been caught. But the fact that he he's done what he's done is kind of like sending a message out there, you know, yeah. like to continue, um, kind of like what he's done like his work so like for other killers to go out and do the same you know which is really dark and scary it's like if that had happened in real life like i don't i have no doubt there would be people out there trying it's the same with cults right when when he ends someone else tries to like continue it somewhere else like Mm -hmm. continue the practice or whatever it's the same so i feel like you're constantly thinking about this throughout the whole film, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I like that. I like that it makes you think, basically. But, yeah, I love seeing all three together, basically. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's, that's true, that it's like they're all finally, like, in the same place, and this is the person they've been, you know, chasing and, like, hunting the whole time. Um, I have a little, a little, I have different notes here. I, I really, I have here that Mill's emotions really feed him and he has mm-hmm. no control and he's kind of proving wrath even more in the car. Totally. He doesn't know that he is yet, but he's proving it. I have for one of my quotes that I have for the film, cause I have several, um, I, uh, in the, in the beginning, I believe it's right before, uh, the reporter comes in and takes the photo, uh, and, or no, it's after because Mills is really upset and Somerset's very calm and, and he's, and Mills is like, what, what's up? And he's like, it's quite impressive to see a man feed off his oh, emotions. Yeah. And that's totally what Mills is all about. Yeah. And Somerset in the car is my favorite. I do like Mills a lot, but I love Somerset because he's always so composed. He is. And he just knows, he just knows like, I love the way that Doe looks at Somerset like, I know that you're not this, I know that you're not like this guy over here. Who's just like this young hothead. I know that like you kind of are on this like wavelength that like I can talk to you. And I really love that 
Somerset questions like his meanings for all this. He's like, if you're a child of God and you say you're doing God's work, then, you know, like, what is, what is all of this mean? You know, like, how are you a martyr for this cause? And the one thing that I love about this whole movie is that John Doe actually asks Somerset, like, meaning what? Like, he's confused mm. and he knows that Somerset has caught him and is yeah. smarter than him. And he totally yeah. knows. And it's the only time he questions anything because everything else is direct order, direct plan, direct sermon. It's like, I know what I'm doing. You're listening to me. And in that way, Somerset is just like, no, I'm questioning you. Like, and then that's when he says, like, you know, when did, you know, you want to know when I decided to turn the sins against the sinners like just use their own crimes against them essentially yeah like he does not like being kind of um put on the spot and to like you know to question him because he doesn't have all the answers you know i feel like to this point he's like the smartest and he's definitely smarter than mills you know mills is just all about emotions it's true and yeah you're right I, i i definitely do like that about morgan freeman's character he's just so calm so composed and i feel like when they're on, like in the car at this point, he kind of, I wonder if he knows, he kind of, I almost sense that he has a bad feeling that Mills, that this is not going to end up well. Yeah. That there is a trick to all of this. You know, why the Joan Doe wanted them to take him, right? Yeah. Like, it all is to, like Mills can't tell because generally he's not that smart. No. But I think, I think, um, Morgan Freeman is thinking that this is this is not going to end up well. Like, yeah. I don't don't know exactly what's going to happen, but yeah. And especially when Mills is like, "Yeah, we were going to find you. We were going to hunt you." And uh, John Doe is just like, "Oh, really? Like, what piece of evidence did you have that you were going to find me before I walked into that yeah. thing yeah. and fucking turned myself in?" Like, yeah, fucking right. You were not that close to finding me. Like, you found me, and I got away, and I literally didn't kill you when I could and- have. And he really got to him because at the end, like yeah. he's genuinely really fucking upset by something he said. I can't remember what it was, but it really got to him. It got to me as whatever Joan Doe said, you know? He said, and then, yeah, after we get there, they get they get to this location and that delivery van pulls up. And I was like, oh my God, shit's about to fucking get real. And then the, the guy delivers like, I just got $500 to deliver this box. This guy told me to bring it out here at this time. Like, I don't know. And so... Uh, Somerset's like okay I'm gonna check this out Mills is over like several hundred feet away with um with John Doe and then and I said like usually the the cops said like call in the bomb squad but I was also surprised why did they not wait for the bomb squad I know because Because, like you really don't know what was in that no and it totally could have been like a bomb to kill and so like because he knew he was gonna go to jail or just you know so why not just kill everyone yeah that's what, yeah. That's the only kind of question that I had that didn't make sense. Like, it if didn't. they weren't going to call for the, if they called for the bomb squad, which the guys in the helicopter did, why did why did Somerset not wait? Because he was just like, I'm opening the box, and nobody on the the radio said like, no, 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 don't open the box. We have to wait for the bomb squad. Like he was like, no, I'm opening it. I was like, why would you just open it? Like you're a cop. Like I know the box, but in any case, um, I also love that you never see what's in the box. Me too. And you just he just has this like. <gasps> When he sees it, because you don't need to see it. It's yeah, like you know already at this point. It's weird how you, how you know because rewatching it the other night, I was like the other morning actually. I was like, 
I don't know because obviously now I've seen it so many times that I know it's a hit. But has the the people watching it for the first time know no, that it's a hit? No, because I think it's it's. I feel like that whole end of the film is super shocking. I don't mm. think you see it coming at all. I didn't anyway. Um, so yeah. is it said? Is it mentioned that it's the, a hit? Yeah, because what happens? Right. Is, Morgan Freeman calls the. Yeah, he calls. It's like he's he's got the upper hand now. Like Mills, don't do it. And he has the gun. He's like, "What's in the box? What's in the box?" And then, like Doe is talking to Mills, but Mills is like looking at Somerset. And he's trying to get his attention, and he's like, "I don't like you know like I." I went to like see, you know, like I wanted to see what like a real man's life was, like a simple man, oh, a plain God. man. So I like went to your house and I and I, you know, like Tracy. And then he turns and he's like, "What'd you say? What'd you fucking say?" Oh my God! And then like when he says her name and he's like, "Yeah, I tried to play husband." Oh God! That's and awful. that's when he says like I took a souvenir and then he's like her pretty head, and then that's when he that's when he sees Somerset walking up and he's like what he's like what the fuck is he he's like what's in the box what's in the box and so he like starts screaming like what's in the box it's so intense and he never tells him he just says like you know like no dude like like you can't do this like put the gun down like you can't do this and then he's like and that's when he says like she begged for her life and the life of the child growing inside her it could not get worse literally could not not get worse and then and then probably like it's the worst thing ever but probably one of the most genius parts of just acting is when he looks at Somerset and he's like, he didn't know. Oh, he, he didn't know. Like, yeah. like he knew that Somerset knew, like somehow he knew that he knew. And, and then also, Bill knew too. He looks kind of like, Oh my God, I'm the one who didn't know. Yeah. Because that's why Somerset was like, so like, no, put it down. Like now what has Mills got to live for? I mean, I know, and also you don't really know. I love how ambiguous it is because you don't know if he's gonna like if he's lost his mind because of mm-hmm. the shock. If what he's gonna do now, right? Like, like is he? I I just feel like it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But I also think it's like the throughout the whole film. This is when you see Brad Pitt at his finest in that yeah. last scene. Totally. He's so amazing. Like throughout the whole film, he just comes across as like this dumb detective you know like young and experienced and he's not his acting is not like that great it's like average right yeah yeah but at the end he's just like i can't imagine the only other actor that i can see playing that really well is like leo really because he's kind of he can do that you know he has that ability to kind of very romeo and juliet that whole that very like the the desert in romeo and juliet where he's like yeah, totally. very much like that vibe like extreme sadness rage yeah, like really all, everything yeah, yeah. all together yeah I, I feel like i really love how he like he's acting in it is like incredible yeah it is is super good i have and then i have uh sin six envy and then it says like and then i doe just says like because i envy your life i am envy and because i want what you have and i can never have what you have and have this like normal life and then he just says and this is in one of my favorite quotes and he's like become vengeance david become wrath and then mm-hmm. that's when he sh- then that's that's when he shoots him and he has like and then he shoots him like a- almost the whole clip I think yeah like, I think I don't know how many times but it's like five times yeah it's like the whole I was like good God and then of course like the cops come and then you know Somerset's like anything he needs like and the 
the lieutenant's like, we'll take care of him. Like, you know, it's, it's okay. And you just see him being carted off. And the thing is, like, even at this point, you're like, if that had been me, I think you would have done the same. I mean, yeah, totally. I genuinely think I would have done the same. You have a gun on your, on your hand and you're not going to shoot this fucking guy who basically destroyed your life, you know? Yeah, like, totally. So, so, yeah, that's, like, a pretty good, pretty crazy rundown. Um, yeah, what do you have? And then I have, like, a few notes here for just theme and mood. Uh, the cinematographer's name is Darius Kanji. He's amazing. Um, he also did Stealing Beauty, another movie that's on the list by Bert Yeah, he, he's done some really um, incredible films. Um, I really love, well, in terms of, like, you know, the, the editing and stuff, like Evita, he did that. Mm-hmm. He did, um, there was a film that's, like, really, like, oh, Midnight in Paris. Oh, yeah, I haven't finished that. Yeah, I actually really like that film. He did Obja. Oh, yeah. Really the, cool. Yeah. And the latest one, actually, that I didn't realize he had done is um, Uncut Gems. Oh, the Adam Sandler one. It's so intense. Oh, my God. I hate the, Adam Sandler, so I've okay, never watched it. It's that fucking film. brilliant. From, the begin, from beginning to end, it's a really good film. Oh, okay. But it's really intense. Yeah, it's, it's a serious film. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I just he's a Julia Roberts for me. Actually, a little less than Julia Roberts because a little more actually because Julia Roberts, I have been like caught watching a film where I'm like, like I watched Ocean's Eleven the other day for the first time, and I was like, ugh, she's so bad. I was like, why is she, why does anyone like her? And then Adam Sandler, I think I just he's always like the star, so I just don't watch stuff with him. But yeah, a few things, but no, it's yeah, you should totally watch it. Um. Yeah, I mean... The, yeah, what do you have the, for cinematography? What notes do you have? Then I'll do mine. But, like, I talk yeah, too much. Oh, no. Like, not, not, not at all. I love... Yeah, I just love the cinematography. I feel like it, it really... Um, like, it, it really translates with, like, you know, the... How, like... I mean, you know, don't know that it's LA, but you kind of think it's New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know. I thought for some reason that it was New York. It's kind of dirty, like rainy, sketchy, you know. Like- the one giveaway when you can tell streets in New York and in LA is the width of the street. Totally. Yeah, really wide in- yeah. And how bright the the like sun is because yeah, in New York, when you see them filming downtown LA, you're like, that's not New York. Uh, they try to make, they also try to do that in Dark Knight. That was in Chicago. But they like kind of try to make it like New York, but you know New York is like very narrow streets. The mm. sun just hits different, you know. But it's easier to film, I'm sure. Like yeah, you have more sure. room and everything. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just, um, I really love that about it. I mean, fashion-wise, it's not really much to say because it's just very, very kind of simple, boring detective sort of. Yeah, I wrote some of typical detective trend. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I have boring straight leg, baggy suits, awful ties, you know? Oh, I have basketballs on his tie on Mills. Yeah, they're like silly ties, you know? I feel like... And then the only outfit that you see that's kind of 90s, I suppose that you really think, okay, this is 90s. It's like Wynne Paltrow's, like, Tracy's outfit. It's very 90s. Yeah, it's her, too. That that, mid-whole 90s vibe. Totally. And, like, her hair... He's just wearing like a midi skirt, but also this sort of short sleeve top that's sheer with like 
a vest underneath or something. It's super nineties. Mm. Oh yeah. Um yeah, that's it for fashion really. I have okay for my more of my cinematography notes, I guess, because I want to make a film. So I, I always I'm always like, oh my god, like how would I do this? Um I just wrote Fincher's color grading. I I love his color grading. Um always raining. I really like Mill's apartment too. I love like the details in his apartment. I love cool. the record player. I love that fucking fireplace. Yeah. Um, we went uh, really deep into uh, on the the previous episode, the crush on like at least Charles in general. He went really deep on like '90s real estate and how cheap the price <laughs> was, and like how he was like, God, could you imagine what that guest house probably cost to rent in the '90s? It's probably like four hundred dollars. I was like, no, it's probably like two hundred. He was like, oh god, like just like I was like, yeah. So that's another thing. What the fucking rent must have been in this shit ass city for this really nice apartment that has a subway running through it? But it was amazing, huge apartment, like tons of rooms. Um, I love the way that I don't love the way, but I just wrote the way the sins are set up and staged for an audience. They're yeah. very much like, it just seems very much like theater. It is totally. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Uh, I really like the squad room. I really like squad rooms in general in the in cop films. I love like the fluorescent lighting that looks really shitty. And it just, yeah, I love like when they're really light squad rooms and then when they're really dark ones, this one's a really light one. Uh, a lot of them yeah. are really dark. Uh, one of my favorite stills is when... Uh, Mills is during the chase and he's on the ground in the water or in like the pool oh, and yeah. you see the reflection upside down with, of the hat of Joe coming towards him. It's really old school that. Like, yeah. yeah, I like that. I love that one. I did the shot following the taxi as John Doe lets himself in. The only bright color in the film is the yellow taxi and red throughout. There are red bulbs, there's red blood, everything else is desaturated. Yeah. Um, which, which I like. I really I like, like the, the shot of through the binoculars in the helicopter. Yeah. I like how you could see that <clears throat> it was a binocular. That was cool. Um, and then I have the still of Mills at the end, the orange sunset, the, his eyes just totally welling up right before he becomes wrath. And then, um, and another fight club nod is that flash of Gwyneth really quick, which is also in fight club. When you see yeah. like, penis like in those films that he splices it's another fight club thing like quick quick cut in there um and then yeah like i love that scene we were talking about his acting it's just incredible in that but i love that picture like just him there and the lighting and how it's orange and i just love it it almost, yeah that is really yeah. cool it's really I, great. you know for me i think i, I guess i you know it's more of like a set design in a way but i love um, Joan Doe's apartment because there's so much going on. Like th- there's so many objects. It's very dark. It, there's this like red. Um, it, I think it's like red light, red cross. Yeah, the like, cross. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And I mean to to set that up, you know, it like, has to be a lot of the money has to be used on stuff like that. Props and but but the attention to detail it does really look. I I've been to apartments that look like that, full of clutter, but yeah, in right. a crazy way of like not even trying. It's just simply someone has lived there for like seventy years and yeah. they never moved anything, and they just accumulated all this stuff everywhere. You know, and I feel like it, it just looks so real. It's like really run down. Um, building and the actual apartment itself I, I just feel like i just really appreciate and love attention to detail to that level yeah you know? yeah yeah i so, really like it too 
Um, yeah. For music, I have score by Howard Shore, who also did Silence of the Lambs. So dark. Uh, yeah, I love that Nine Inch Nails remix during the credits. Yeah, that's cool. That was really and cool. Even in the Prostitution Club, it's like industrial. It's very like industrial music, which was big then. Or like kind of coming into its its own. Um, I have one Brad Pitt swoony outfit is when he has that gray pullover at dinner. Oh, yeah, that is cool. That's very nice. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, he looked great. Um, so yeah, let's. Uh, that yeah, that's all I have for fashion. So, what are your favorite scenes? I think we probably already talked about them. We can just list them again. Um. Yeah, I mean, I talk about that one in the car. The three of them driving through the desert, and the chase. Because I, yeah, I feel like it's a never-ending chase. I feel like you kind of think it's he's not going to catch him, and then he just continues. And I feel like there's just so much going on, like uh, running through the apartment, and then jump. Not it's not really jumping out the window, but there, there is that. Uh, what are those called? Those fire oh, fire escapes, cape um, staircase or the ladder or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it looks so real. Like Brad Pitt actually did it. Like he was, he has lighted, and I just felt like, well, this does not look safe for any actor, but hey. Um, Seven million dollars, I'd fucking do it. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I, yeah, I just really like that chase. And I love the fact that it didn't end with like basically Joan Doe just getting away and Brad Pitt is like, okay, I didn't find him, or getting to him and like whatever you know i feel like it was really cool that's what i mean like it's just very unexpected that you don't think joan doe is actually gonna be pointing a fucking gun at his head and like allowing him to leave basically yeah it's really cool yeah um mine are the, mine is like yeah this when somerset has dinner with mills and tracy this is one of mine i just love their relationship together the chase that you mentioned and then the scene of mills and somerset putting the wires on for transport uh i like that a lot i like that whole scene where like you were talking about like they were like soldiers yeah i didn't think of it that way um my worst scenes where i mentioned the prostitute murder scene just that whole situation uh, that was just the worst and then well, the, it's a woman it's really yeah, yeah yeah definitely and then the sloth discovery that was the worst yeah that's one of mine and for me it's the end with a head in the box because oh, yeah. i feel like it's so traumatic like just i mean it's not that you see anything gory happening but it's you know what's happened you know mm-hmm. to get to that point so those are my worst scenes do you have favorite lines yes i have quotes do you yes i have three okay what are yours uh the first one is you're not you're not messiah you're a movie of the week you're Mm. a fucking t-shirt at best i just really like that yeah yeah um my one of them i said already it's impressive to see a man feed off his emotions yeah somerset says that to mills yeah that's cool um my second one is the Ernest Hemingway, like oh, the, yeah, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. Yeah, I, I just like that. I think it's, it's it's sad, but it's kind of true. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, let's see. I have just because the fucker's got a library card doesn't mean he's Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's cool. I like that one. Um, um what's your other one. My last one is. It's a long one. If we catch Joan Doe and he turns out to be the devil, I mean, if he's Satan himself, <laughs> that might live up to our expectations. But he's, but he's not the the devil. He's just a man. 
Oh, that is good. It's so deep, and it's yeah. Now, part of that I might might be the name of the episode. I it was going to be like what's in the box, which it might probably end up being what's in the box because it's just short and you know what that is. Yeah. But I like that like it's but he's just a man or whatever you just said. I have to like copy it down to find. I really out. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my I have three more. Um, I have like this isn't going to have a happy ending. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. Like Somerset says that, and then I I like when they're in um when they're in the car and then uh. John Doe says to Mills, like, I seem to remember breaking your face. Yep. I like that. And then That's I, cool. the last one I, I, uh, which also might be the title for the episode. I, ha- I like become vengeance, David become wrath. Like I, I like that. Yeah. That is cool. That, that would be a cool name. I yeah. Um, yeah. Nineties moments. I guess I just talked about the library, but that was it. What were yours? Yeah, that was one. And the other one is just film photography and, Joan Doe's Red Room, you know, because I mean, that's not really per se 90s, but I suppose after that, you had like that's when digital really sort of. Um, um. <laughs> no, but you know, like I feel that was to me, there's not many 90s things, I don't think. So, like, no, yeah, it's not, it's not very, it's not super 90s heavy. It's just very yeah. like in the moment, like it could have happened now. It just, it's just more about the story, I guess. Totally. It's not as like yeah. pitchy. <laughs> some of the other films that we that we review but yeah man uh we've reached the end of uh of seven so i enjoyed i enjoyed this rewatch i actually own this on dvd i don't even know the fuck why but i, <laughs> I do <laughs> so yeah I, I really like it it's it's one of my favorites got me into fincher yeah unknowingly yeah i don't think i realized but i know me neither you know i don't think i realized and then i, I was like wait of course he's done all of these great films. I mean, yeah. this is definitely like one of my favorite films. Yeah, same. It's up there. It's in like the top 20. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. It's definitely up there. But yeah, this has been another great episode. Uh, like and subscribe if you've gotten to the end here. So yeah, we will see you on the next one. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Bye. Good Bye. night. Good night. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.